the following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm. Chapter 63. History of the Dwarves. Lord Unther was the king of the dwarves. They had rallied to his banner and carved out the greatest halls over a hundred generations. The kingdom that they made in the realm was called Kinshearth, and it was true that Unther had chosen it well, for there were rich veins of ore running through this space, and the dwarves were experts at extracting it. This world of stone was their honored afterlife. For what better life could there be than mining riches and working the stone itself? The dwarves had great tenacity, and they fought hard to keep this territory in the maze by defending against the many evil races who were eager to take what it was they had. The dwarves built defenses into the stone itself, as well as secret ways and chambers, which could be used in emergencies, or else to store the greatest of their treasures. Although one treasure, a shiny gauntlet dressed with gemstones, was too fine to be left hidden away, Unther kept it always upon his left hand, for it was a sign of his royal right. It whispered to him, too, for the gauntlet had secret magic. It gave him wisdom, and had led the dwarves many times in their mining to greater, and then even greater, riches. Electrum and silver. He took a queen and sired many heirs. His was fully expected to be the greatest reign that the dwarves had ever known. The wealth they had uncovered secured their place as the strongest race for many miles, with each find more wondrous than the last. Then something unexpected happened. The voice of the gauntlet became indiscreet. Hunter's rule was still wise, and his people continued to survive, but the greatest of the cavern's treasures had run dry, and the king yet craved after greater heights for his dynasty. The years had not been kind, for Unther was very sick, and he was growing weak, and he was growing old, and he longed for one more legend that would secure his place before his death as the greatest dwarven lord who had ever lived. Welcome back to the Iron Realm, my friends. Welcome back for another tale from the Endless Maze. The tribe is exploring into the southernmost region of level Alpha 1. So there's plenty more excitement on the way. But I'll also have more secrets tonight 
for the Maze Master, so keep your ear ready and be prepared to take the notes you need in order to master your own solitaire campaign. And don't forget to leave a review on iTunes for the Iron Realm Podcast. Five-star reviews are your way to help the show find yet greater and greater audiences. Do it now. Swell our numbers and show your appreciation for the show. I'll see you there. <laughs> the Iron Realm Copyright A.B. Lenzo is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. Secrets of the Maze Master, Maze Master, Maze Master. Should the craft of classic gaming ever be lost to the world, the secret arts may yet survive and rise again through those techniques I reveal to you on Secrets of the Maze Master. Creature Creation on tonight's Secrets of the Maze Master. Once your character tribe is finished, you are going to need some creatures for your maze, for indeed, the Iron Realm is deadly, filled with creatures of all kinds, undead, wild animals, evil races, and horrors that defy description. Creatures represent the threats and challenges, but also a major source of resources for the character tribe. Before beginning your game, you're going to need to create several such creatures, perhaps five or more of various types, aiming eventually to expand your collection to 20 or even more. I suggest using an index card for each creature that you create, for one card can represent one encounter within the maze. And not only does the card serve as an easy reference, but you can use it again and again, should this creature type be encountered more than once by the tribe throughout their 
journey throughout their fight to survive. Begin your index card by writing the name of the creature at the top, and you'll need to add some other details too. For example, the creature's armor value must be noted as well as its number of dice. And for most creatures, one die means 1d8 life points. Unlike characters who begin the game with the max possible life points per die, it is not so for creatures, thus the need for a random roll. In order to keep the game more objective, the exact life points for any given creature tend not to be determined until the characters are in combat with it, and then only after the creature is first wounded. This prevents the Maze Master from unfairly assigning character targets based on life point totals, since characters may not have a notion just by looking as to which creature is stronger or more skilled and which one is simply posturing in their presence. Since you'll be designing for Maze Level 1, I suggest for your creature's life points, indicating just one die, the default 1d8, in order to create a creature on par with the power of the group. You'll also want to indicate the creature's speed, for this is important should the characters ever need to escape from it or deal with it in combat. A speed of 120 feet is roughly equivalent to the speed of an unladen human or elf. However, some creatures are much faster, so indicate this accordingly, if so. Some creatures may have a different speed under different circumstances, such as a speed while flying or a speed while swimming. Some detail on the creature's attacks should also be listed, and although many creatures can only attack once per round, some may be able to attack more often, giving them an advantage over characters. Tell what kinds of attacks these are. For example, if a creature has a bite and two claw attacks, make sure to record it on your card. And don't forget to note the damage done as well, for this may vary by attack type. And consider too whether the creature has some unusual attack, such as poison, fire, or magic spells, and carefully note the effect of each, should one of these attacks succeed. Humanoid creatures may have weapons available to them as well, and it's okay to note this in the description if you wish. Although in the realm, there's no guarantee that any creature will have equipment of any kind. I usually consider there to be at least for humanoid creatures, a 20% chance that they will have no equipment at all, 
A 20% chance that they may be armed with rocks. A 20% chance that they might have decent weapons and perhaps some basic gear. A 20% chance that they may have some modest armor, good weapons, and good gear. And finally, a 20% chance that the creatures may have the best armors and weapons available with some very good gear as well. More details on mundane items, as well as treasure possessed by creatures, on future podcasts. In any event, once you've noted down damage, you'll also want to note how many creatures may appear during any given encounter. This might be as few as one, but could be a much larger number as determined by dice. Humanoid creatures tend to appear in numbers roughly similar to the average character tribe, perhaps one to eight or two to eight, although it's possible that many more could be encountered if discovered within their lair, usually a secluded room in the maze. The death saves for a creature are usually not shown, for they are assumed to be equivalent to a warrior whose level is the same as the number of dice that the creature possesses. But if the creature saves vary from this, feel free to note it down. You'll want to show the creature's bravery score as well, which is normally a number between 2 and 12. 2 being a remarkably cowardly creature that will nearly always run, and 12 being a creature that tends to fight to the death. Sometimes a creature will have treasure as well, Either mundane items, coins, gems, jewelry, relics, or something else of value. And you'll want to note this down on the card as well. Treasure is usually determined at random, and I'll be giving you more details on this in future podcasts. But for now, suffice it to say that a creature's treasure type is normally indicated by referencing a given entry on your treasure chart, perhaps treasure number one, treasure number two, treasure number three, or so on, and that by referencing the treasure chart, you can roll dice in order to discover what, if anything, the creature has. Maze Masters sometimes do not determine treasure until after the encounter is resolved leaving the result as a mystery, only to be revealed at the proper time. A creature also has a given value in level points, and these points are awarded for each creature dealt with, either by besting it in battle, slaying it, driving it off, or successfully negotiating with it. More on determining an appropriate level point value for a creature in future podcasts as well. Finally, create a description for your creature with details too on its behavior and motivations or anything else you see fit. If the creature has any special attacks, 
or if there's anything else unusual about the creature, it might be worth noting it too. A hungry tribe may also care if this being is edible or if its flesh is poison. You might want to show that in your description too. There are thousands of creatures possible, and you may find yourself inspired from movies, books, and mythology. But I'll give you just one creature to start. As an example, it's one of the most iconic creatures on the show, the Goblin. While in some literature, goblins are represented as small, weak, and cowardly creatures. In the Iron Realm, goblins are huge and a terrible threat to humans, elves, dwarves, and halflings alike. Here are the stats for goblins that I use in the show. Feel free to use it in your own game, too, and create many more creatures besides. Goblin. Armor value 10. Dice... One, minus one life point. Speed, 90 feet. Attacks, one claw or one weapon, with a chance to hit equivalent to a one-die creature. Damage, claws one to four, or else by weapon type. Number encountered, between two and eight. Death saves. Goblin death saves are two points worse than those for a level 1 warrior. This is because goblins have fewer than one die of life points. Bravery, 7. Level point value, 5 per goblin. Description, goblins are normally large and muscular, built for war, and hate most other living things. Motivated by gold and violence, goblins are often found equipped with weapons and armor, and may possess other treasure as well. Goblins are rarely encountered alone, and tend to travel in numbers. Goblins can see in the dark to a range of 90 feet, but they are at minus one on hits when faced with any very, very bright light. Goblins also hate dwarves and tend to attack on sight. There are indeed larger goblins than those commonly encountered in the maze, and these may have two dice, three dice, or more, usually being hunters of the goblin tribe or champions, and it is rumored, too, that there is an especially huge goblin somewhere in the maze who is their king. Goblin bravery is a nine in the presence of their chieftain. And goblins will always fight fiercely to protect their lair. Treasure. I've recorded Treasure 18 for individual goblins found within the maze. And Treasure 3, a much more valuable treasure, can be found only in the goblin's lair. For your reference, I've indicated on my treasure chart that Treasure 18 yields 2 to 12 Electrum coins per goblin, while Treasure 3, the treasure hidden in the goblin lair, is as follows. 
a 20% chance for 1 to 12,000 copper, a 30% chance for 1 to 4,000 silver, a 10% chance for 1 to 4,000 electrum, a 25% chance to find between 1 and 4 gems, a 25% chance to find between 1 and 4 pieces of jewelry, and a 10% chance to find any two relics. I should also note that the number of goblins appearing within the lair is many more than would be encountered elsewhere between 6 and 60. And so you have the first example of a creature that may populate your maze too. Come up with many more, and when you have a reasonable number of creatures, design a roaming creatures chart so that you can determine the creatures encountered at random. For example, when a creature is called for, if your roaming creatures chart has six creatures upon it, then roll a six-sided die to determine what kind. On the other hand, if you have 20 creatures available upon your roaming creatures chart, then roll 1d20 to determine the creature type. You should have a roaming creatures chart for each maze level of your Mega Dungeon. So the roaming creatures chart for Mega Dungeon Maze Level 1 should have mostly creatures of one die with the exact life points to be determined when and if combat begins. You may also want to allow a small chance that a more powerful creature could appear upon Maze Level 1. So feel free to include a small number of two dice creatures and a small number of three dice creatures as well upon your chart for Maze Level 1. Likewise, you may allow for the possibility that a creature weaker than expected could appear upon the given maze level as well. I suggest that some 70% of creatures on maze level 1 should have one total die each for life points. In time, you'll create roaming creatures charts for maze level 2, maze level 3, and beyond, amassing ultimately a veritable army of threats for the characters to face. Will they survive? Can they survive? This is your story, and in the end, only you can determine whether they will experience some measure of victory, or whether they will be obliterated by the horrors, the creatures, and the monsters that dwell deep within the Iron Realm. Legendary powers, secret paths, the twelfth path, stars. In a world with no sky, what can be more precious than the stars? Bring them to your Maze Master by visiting iTunes and leaving a five-star review for the Iron Realm Podcast. 
doing so brings the adventure to ever more travelers, and with their courage and yours, the legend of the realm may yet continue. Give five stars on iTunes, and you may award yourself a full 100 ranks of renown for your epic achievement. I'll be looking for your review. I thank you for your mastery. If you have not yet done so, visit the Iron Realm website at theironrealm.com or theironrealm.blogspot.com and subscribe to the RSS feed and join you as well as a follower of the blog. Never miss a single offering from the realm again. And have you gotten your hands on Voices in the Void, a periodic newsletter for the Iron Realm podcast? Get the commentary and news on current and upcoming episodes from the realm. I'll see you there. <laughs> Tribal Matters eleven AM The group is in the maze. Level Alpha 1, position 1429. The group is not currently suffering from deprivation, but they do bear the wounds of combat. Solus, 10 out of 16. Stockholm, 14 out of 20. Bardar, 12 out of 14. The group possesses also the following magic. Kailana, Illumination. Amazar, Door Denial. Orson, Ventriloquist, Nora, laying on of hands, Len, hands of healing. Len and Bardar find themselves confronted with angry goblins. There are six of them armed with spears, and they see the dwarves, which enrages them. Goblins tend to attack dwarves on sight, and although Bardar and Len openly display their weapons, they are both attempting frantically to provide some words that may avoid a fight. This is not going to be easy. The reaction check is penalized with a minus one, since goblins hate others that are not of their race. But an additional minus one, for these goblins do not speak. Manish, and a further minus one, because the dwarves are in sight, and the goblins are ready to attack. Also, Barter and Len do not have a sufficient charisma bonus to give them any advantage. It's going to be a tough roll. Two dice for the reaction. An eleven is amazing. When I take into account the minus three, it is shown 
that the goblins have still decided to lower their weapons and listen to the group. I'm going to say for the second round of reactions that Orson has managed to cast his ventriloquist spell and is whispering the needed words into Len's ear so that she may relay them in Goblin. I'm going to roll again, and this time I'm dropping the penalty to minus two. The goblins continue to listen to the words being spoken by Len as she addresses them in their own tongue. But their natural inclination is still to attack because of the dwarves who are their sworn enemies. One more roll will decide the fate of the encounter. A six. Down to a four. The goblins attack. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would like to show your appreciation and to support new episodes of The Iron Realm, visit patreon.com slash theironrealm and be you rewarded. You can also give a gift at drivethroughrpg.com using pay what you want or by taking a share of premium soft cover books ebooks, and gaming aids for your Iron Realm collection. And don't forget to leave your five-star reviews at iTunes at drivethroughrpg.com and beyond. Finally, tell your friends and spread the word about the world's first play-by-podcast RPG audio drama. Do what you can to ensure the continuance of the realm, your fellow travelers, and your maze master, thank you. From the eternal depths of the Iron Realm. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Realm! Good night, everyone. Thank you.